Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. having a thankful spirit really cures a lot. If we tried to be thankful a little bit more, I promise you it would make our lives give us some some perspective. And um, I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for my church. I I can tell you, a little embarrassing, might be my last time up here, but um, when I was a lot younger in the church that I grew up with, that church, our church had um, a favorite preacher, and it was very obvious. And um, it was so obvious. It was kind of like, you know, everybody, we loved and, and worshiped Jesus. And then, you know, we appreciated the ministries of your great prophets like Moses and um, Elijah. And then there was like Steve Boyd. And <laughs> I promise. And, and I, I, I don't, you know, that it, it's humorous, but it's true. <laughs> there you go, it's true. And, um, and so that's how I grew up with already this high respect for the man I never knew would be my pastor one day. And, um, so I, I can tell you, I honor you guys very much. And it means a lot. Sometimes I still pinch myself and think, my goodness, I, I actually go to church with such good people and such a great pastor. And, um, and I'm thankful for that. I don't, you know, <laughs> thank you. appreciate you guys very, very much, and it's, it's an honor to be here, and I don't take it lightly. I, maybe my last time standing behind the same pulpit that Steve Boyd stands behind, but, <laughs> but it's an honor. It's an honor to do life with you, and um, so we'll just move right along and talk about this series that we've been talking about. This is the third week, and it's the power to be witnesses. And the series idea was basically that in Acts 1 and 8, Jesus said that he was going to give us power to become witnesses, okay? And so there's really not a greater calling, if you ask me, because I believe that there's nothing that this world needs more than a great, powerful witness. And so week one, I, I got a little bit reprimanded that I haven't been telling everybody a recap of what the series has done so far. So let me just share with you week one pastor talked about vision and that God gives us a vision for the harvest and that we have to respond and we have to act on that. And week two was uh, Brother Rayleigh last week talked about spiritual direction and how that spiritual direction leads us to the lost. And so today is our lesson is going to be boldness and that God gives us boldness and we can't be afraid to witness. Now nobody laughed, but my husband kind of chuckled when I told him what the lesson title was. And I got a little nervous because I'm not really the, bo- the boldest person in the world at all. And um, to be quite honest, I get a lot of times when people get to know me, they're like, you know, I, I just don't know quite how to read you. 
<laughs> I don't like having that. I promise I don't like it. it, it honest to God, I, I, I really, to, to sum it up, I'm just an, a very awkward introvert and not the boldest person at all. As you can tell, I got up this morning and I wore all black. And then it hit me, thank God, before I left the door that I was going to talk about boldness, so I at least changed my shoes to some bold shoes. Because I'm trying. I'm trying. So I'm going to try to teach today with my bold shoes to show you that it can happen. <laughs> it can happen. Okay? But I tell you that after I kind of got over being nervous about talking about boldness, I didn't want you to think that, oh, you're, you're such a hypocrite because you're not bold and you're going to talk about boldness. And that's not the case at all. And my mind went back to about 25 years ago. And I, I'm sorry to have to forgive me about always speaking about my grandparents, but they were just so in influential in my life. But my mind went back to hearing my grandma pray. And if I could tell you the, the most common prayer I remember her praying over us young people at the time was, God, give them Holy Ghost boldness. I remember it more than anything. God, give them Holy Ghost boldness. I, I can tell you, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's the exact reason why I can stand here and talk in front of, I can't, you know, I can say, hi, how are you? But after that, I don't really know what to say. I'm, I'm awful with small talk. I put my foot in my mouth all the time, did it this morning already. And, but I can stand here and boldly talk about Jesus Christ. So I'm bolder than what I think. But my mind went back to hearing my grandma pray. God, give them Holy Ghost boldness. God, give them Holy Ghost boldness. And you know, in our face, you need Holy Ghost boldness. And I remember that. And, and so I say all that about myself just to tell you that I do realize that today I'm speaking to myself first and foremost. Okay? I want to be bold. I want to be bold. I want to live and speak more boldly for Jesus. I don't know if there's anybody else out there that wants to be bold. Or I'm not alone. I want you to look around the crowd and see who's got their hands up, who wants to be bold. Because later in this lesson, I'm going to ask you the same question again. Okay? I believe that boldness to witness begins with bold prayers. Prayers like my grandma prayed. I believe that it starts with imprecatory prayers. Those are bold prayers. How many of you guys remember that message just last week? I'll tell you what. I don't know if I'm alone, but I prayed some imprecatory prayers this week. I hope I'm not alone there. But it takes boldness to pray those things. And so before we get too far, you may be kind of questioning, what in the world am I talking about boldness? I may have a different definition than what you do. So I want to kind of clear that up about what the kind of boldness I'm speaking to today and what it is and what it isn't. And boldness is not an arrogance. It's not being obnoxious and the loud and flashy people. You know, if I have an attitude that says, I'm right and you're wrong, even if those words don't come out of my mouth, the attitude of my heart's going to be evident to other people. Okay? That's not the boldness I'm talking about. Boldness is not picking fights. It's not being mean. It's not seeking glory. It's not, hey, I'm going to shove this down your throat whether or not you want to hear it. It's not, you know, that may make us feel better, like we're some kind of strong, but we haven't made any effective difference if all we've done is beat somebody else down. That's not the boldness that I'm talking about. So what is boldness? And so I, I believe that boldness is spirit-empowered conviction, courage, and urgency. Those three things together, spirit-empowered conviction, courage, and urgency. Because without conviction, what is there to even be bold about? 
And without courage, we're just going to be weak and fearful. We would never be able to, to withstand anything that came against us. And without a sense of urgency, well, urgency reminds us that, man, there's people that are lost. And that we, it, urgency is what gets us out there to say, you know what, I have something that they need to hear. I have a Jesus that I need to share. If we don't have that urgency, we're never going to be motivated in the first place. So effective boldness, I believe, works hand in hand with those last two lessons that we heard. I believe that boldness waits and intently watches for those visions and that spiritual direction. And then it's acting upon and following that leading of the Holy Ghost. That's what boldness is. And so I want to give you a kind of talk about an old Testament example that about their boldness because it to me it's very unique and it's something that we can learn by it's King Hezekiah in the Old Testament and the thing I like about King Hezekiah that I thought was so interesting is that you just don't find his story in one place it's not just here's the story you know just kind of like a lot of other kings you just here it is and blah 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 there are so many chapters in Second Kings, Second Chronicle, even Isaiah and I read all of those this week studying about him but there are very there's so many lessons that really can be learned from, from his leadership. But today I just want to kind of focus on the boldness that he had and what I mean by that. Now Hezekiah was raised by King Ahaz, and King Ahaz, his father, was very evil, one of the worst kings that there, there were. You couldn't say one kind thing about him. He was just bad. And so knowing that about his family, you knew that Hezekiah grew up in a home that was very familiar with idolatry very familiar with evil and corruption. And it would have been easy for him just to follow in his father's footsteps. Okay? In the nation that he led, sin and corruption was what was popular and acceptable. Kind of like we're familiar with that. But that's the nation that he led. It would have been easier for just to, right, the, go with the flow. Let's, you know, they're happy that way. But he had those three things. He had conviction, he had courage, and he had a sense of urgency. So much so that the Bible said that in 2 Chronicles 29 and 3, that in the very first month of his reign, so right when he got king, he got crowned, the very first month the Bible said that he repaired the temple. And by the end of his 29-year reign, the Bible said that Hezekiah wrought that which was good and right and truth before the Lord his God. And God prospered him. Now, I, I think it had to take some kind of boldness to walk away what was, what was from familiar from him, to turn away from his father's ways and to, to do what was not acceptable to the nation that he led. He didn't do that. He didn't change things. He didn't follow that conviction because he was being arrogant. He wasn't just trying to prove a point. Okay? He didn't just set up his own beliefs and totally disregard or try to dispute God's commandments. That wasn't his, his goal. But he just boldly obeyed truth. And to me, that's one of the, the vital characteristics to his boldness is the fact that he spoke truth. And everything that he did, he knew the truth. And knowing that truth is what gave him the boldness to follow God's word without question. So even at the very beginning, he's repairing the temple and he starts to meet with the Levites. And he meets with the people of his nation. And, you know, he didn't sugarcoat the mess that that country was in. He just told them, look, we got a mess. He just didn't sugarcoat it. He just spoke the truth. Look, it's a bad. We're in a bad spot, and you know what? This is what we're going to do to fix it. He didn't sugarcoat anything. Later, he made a careless mistake. Got a little prideful there. But you know what? He was very truthful before God and before other people. He knew. He admitted his mistake. I did. I made that mistake. He's very truthful about it. 
And when he was faced with illness and he was told he was going to die, so hey, guess what? You're sick. You're going to die, Hezekiah. But when he went, he prayed some bold prayers. And he got very bold in prayers, and he said to God, he told God, he said, for the grave can't praise thee, and death can't celebrate thee, and they that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. So God honored the integrity of his heart. And integrity in the heart is what produces the truth from our mouth. So any type of boldness, if you're going to be a bold witness, has to start with integrity in your heart. Okay, to be able to speak truth. So, and I think about it, I think of, of a lot of times often the, the moments in my life that may have been life-changing, that have made differences, have often came from small moments of spoken truth. Maybe it was something that my mother said, just a word spoken, something that I've heard a preacher preach. Maybe it was something that my Sunday school teacher taught me, or maybe it was a prayer that I overheard my grandmother pray. But those small moments of spoken truth have huge impacts in our life. So the point is, is boldness is not about trying to impress or being offensive or being inoffensive. It's really focusing on the truth that points to Jesus. And so for all of my people out there who are kind of shy, backwards, awkward, whatever you call yourself, you say, well, you know, that sounds great and all, but how do you do it? Can it be that simple? And I can't answer that question fully, but I can give you some just practical examples of how to point somebody to Jesus. And just an everyday talk, okay? Because I'm not good at small talk, but I'll, I'll give you an example. So, you know, I get this question a lot. Well, I don't know how you do it. How do you do it? You work full time. You've got, you got four kids. You've got this. How do you do it? Well, you know, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to answer untruthfully by any means. But I'm going to be honest. And sometimes I say, I don't know. But I trust God for everything, every day, and he has never failed me. That is an honest answer. Okay. How was my day? Well, it's better than I deserve because God is so gracious. Okay. That is a way to point people to Jesus. Okay. And just simple. And I understand that that is very simple examples. And I, I know that there's people out there that keep asking me to be harder and preach harder and and, and stuff like that. And I, I do believe that we could discuss truth in a very deep, personal personal subject. But I'm going to just summarize that topic of truth and tell you that if you struggle with telling the truth on any level, small or big, or if you think that truth doesn't matter at all, or maybe it's just not important that it needs to be shared, or maybe you think lying, gossiping here and there, that's just okay, then I'm going to tell you that you've lost your witness altogether. Please don't try to point people to Jesus if you think those things are okay. I want to actually point you right here to a place of repentance because we need to get that right. We need to get that right. Okay, we need to start over. Not pass and go and collecting $200. Just Let's just start over and get the integrity right in our heart. Because truth is vital if we're going to be an effective witness. Okay. And I don't know about you, but I get exhausted with fake. I mean, we hear it every day. It's just a word anymore. Fake, fake, fake. Everything is fake. You don't know what's fake and what's not. You used to be able to handshake with people and trust that they're telling you the truth, and you can't do that. I mean, I get exhausted with it, and I don't, I don't like it. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of strict when it comes to telling the truth. You know, I don't, my kids tell me a half truth. I'm telling them, well, that's half a lie, and it's wrong. <laughs> you know, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. My husband's always said, you know, I've always known not to lie because he don't like liars. I've <laughs> heard it for a long time. So, you know, and I tell you in our house, we try to keep it out. I don't like fake butter. I don't like fake cheese. You can tell. You know, 
but I'm grieved with fake people. Grieved with, with fake people. And I'm going to tell you the last thing this world needs is for us, the church, the true witnesses of Jesus Christ, to be fake and to be weak. That's the last thing the world needs. We must be witnesses that speak truth. So boldness is acting by the power of the Holy Ghost with conviction, courage, and urgency. The Greek word for boldness means candor in the face of opposition. Okay? And I want to point out the two things that spiritual boldness does. One, it's going to pretty much usually trigger some opposition. Okay? And two, it's going to often produce miracles. And that's why it's so important that we understand that we need conviction, courage, and the sense of urgency. I want to move to the book of Acts and talk about our first church, the one that we, are, that we model after. Okay, they were bold. They were very bold. And after Jesus spoke to them in, in Acts chapter 1 and 8 that, hey, I'm going to give you power, they kind of went like Hezekiah, and they just got busy right then and there. They took that truth and they ran with it. As soon as they were filled with the Holy Ghost, as God promised, they began going house to house. They were praying and sharing the apostles' doctrine and adding to the church daily. They got busy immediately, just immediately. And then in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were on their way to the temple to pray. And in a bold act of faith, Peter extended his hand and boldly told a lame beggar, in the name of Jesus Christ, you rise up and walk. I don't think that that was planned for that day. They were just headed to go pray. They haven't even prayed yet. But just in a bold act of faith, he grabbed the man by the hand and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. You know, I like to put myself in people's shoes, and I think about, man, if I was in the crowd that day, what I would have thought. You know, everybody in that crowd that day, just like you guys, they had to have been astonished, amazed, because they knew that lame man. They knew that he lay there every day. Some of the people there carried him there. Some of them carried him back. Some of them gave us, well, you know, I got a little extra. I'll give to the lame man today. They knew what to expect with the lame man. But then when they suddenly saw that he wasn't laying there, that instead he was inside the temple walking, leaping, and praising God, I'm sure they were pretty astonished, just like I would be. And you know what happened that day? It didn't just end there. The story doesn't end there. A lot of times we kind of end it there. But I believe that kind of like the last two weeks we've heard, I believe at that time Peter saw an opportunity. He had a vision of the harvest. He saw that crowd, and he saw that vision of the harvest, and he, bold, and he boldly acted on that opportunity to be a bold witness. And he started preaching to the people in that crowd that day. It was a miracle. A miracle. God kept adding. God kept adding. But that bold proclamation didn't just get the attention of the crowd. It got the attention of the priests and the Sadducees and the captain of the temple. And they weren't happy. They weren't astonished. They were pretty upset, if you ask me. And so they didn't know what to do. All they wanted to do is, at this point, just contain them. So they threw them in jail and said, well, at least nothing can happen if they're in jail. So they threw them in jail. And the next day, they brought Peter and John in front of the council. And at the council, from what I studied, was pretty intimidating. It basically, you had, from what I studied, like a big, it was circular so all of the rulers, the elders, the high priests, the religious teachers, they were all there sitting high up on these seats in a circle looking down at you and interrogating you. Very intimidating. And I believe that was done purposely. I think that was an intention because we know the enemy always desires to intimidate and invoke fear. But it didn't work. Because Acts 4 and 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John... So they saw that they were bold. 
It says, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, and they marveled. They took knowledge of them, and this is my favorite, that they had been with Jesus. Like, what a compliment. There you are in front of your face and your enemies, and all they have to say is, boy, you, you kind of resemble Jesus. They can see a bold family resemblance there. Boy, I want that compliment. You've been with Jesus. You've been with Jesus. So they threatened them, and they commanded them to stop speaking and teaching in the name of Jesus. So the disciples that day, they, they knew the implications. They said, you know what? We're, we've been threatened. We've been, you know, commanded not to. That's what they're telling us not to do. And, you know, we knew that the implications were going to be persecuted. We're going to face imprisonment, maybe execution. But that opposition didn't stop them. They immediately went to their friends, just like I would go to you, and say, we need to pray. And they held a prayer meeting. And that's how they handled that. And the Bible says in Acts 4.29 that they begin to pray. And they said, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings. I believe that's some of that imprecatory prayers. That, hey, Lord, they're threatening us. You can handle that. I need you to handle that. And, and they said, they, uh, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants, which is them, grant us with all boldness that they may speak thy word. And verse 31 says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost again, and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. Okay. All right. So there you have opposition. You join. You, you join in prayer with somebody, and God's going to fill you with boldness. All right. Regardless of the opposition, because the other side of, of boldness is that it's going to produce some miracles. And we know that that boldness of Peter had already reaching down, had already performed a miracle with the lame man, but it didn't stop there. The miracles didn't even stop there. The Bible said after that prayer meeting where they prayed and received boldness that miracles were performed, the next chapter, Acts chapter 5 and 12 says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And verse 14 says, And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women. So God just kept working the, through their boldness. God just kept working. When they didn't stop being bold, God just kept meeting that boldness with miracles. And the miracles produced the boldness of the disciples once again. So here's, it, obviously that boldness made them angry again. So here's the opposition. And it made the, the leaders angry. And once again, they were thrown in jail. Okay. But that only produced another miracle. Because Acts chapter 5 and 20 says the angel of the Lord by night came and opened the prison door. <laughs> so even God answered their imprisonment with a miracle of God releasing them. Always going to be some persecution, always going to be some miracles with, when it comes to boldness. So I told you a few minutes ago that, you know, how many want to be bold? I want to be bold. And, and so I'm going to go ahead and now that we know that there's going to be some opposition, there's going to be some persecution. Anyone still want to speak more boldly? Yeah. All right. All right, you're still with me, hanging in there. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you, it's going to take some facing opposition. It may ruffle some people's feathers. Everyone may not like you. Is that okay? Anybody still want to be bold? <laughs> I struggle with it. I'm being honest with you. Those things do bother me. Okay? And so, but you know what? I realized too that I just can't sit around and wish I was more bold like my husband. I've lived for 20 years and it hasn't rubbed off. 
you know, I just can't sit around and admire, man, they're really bold. And I do, I, I love, and I'm attracted to people that are bolder than me. I love it. I love to watch how they are, but it's not enough for me just to wish I was more like that or just stay in so comfortable in my own insecurities. It's not enough. I don't think that it's fair to the people who need to hear the word of God. So I want to address those things, the people that are like me, that you kind of struggle with a little bit of maybe you're timid and, and stuff. I don't feel like I'm timid, but I, I'm just awkward. So I'm so sorry. Um, I want to talk of some about our weaknesses, some of the hindrances that may get in the way, because I want to help. And I think that fear is probably the number one issue that probably holds us back from being a bold witness. But I want to tell you that these very men, Peter and John, that we're talking about, the ones that reached down and healed the lame man, the ones that stood boldly in front of that intimidating crowd, the ones who kept preaching and praying and God filled with boldness. Those same men are the same men that we read about after the resurrection in John chapter 20, that they were so scared. They just saw the they, they know Jesus rose from the dead. They were right there at the tomb. They saw it. They weren't rejoicing and praising God then. They went and ran and hid. Okay? So they get it. They were scared. Okay, but after they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they received boldness. Okay, and when they faced opposition, did they go back to hiding? No. They prayed for boldness and their fear melted away and they kept on preaching. The point is if we step out in faith in, in, in spite of the fear, in spite of sweaty palms, pounding hearts, God's going to provide the measure of boldness that you need in that moment. Okay. God's going to provide that measure of need. And I'll tell you another fear I think, I, I know that I have and might not be alone here, is the fear of rejection. You know, what if somebody, what if somebody doesn't want to receive it? You know, what if, you know, I, I have a, a terrible fear of rejection. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, I'm going to just be completely honest with you. They might. They might. I can tell you that I've lost what I've thought were really good friends and been separated from family that I love because of how I live. And I'm talking complete abandonment, no notice, just rejection. And I'm going to tell you, it hurts. Absolutely hurts. But I'll tell you, in, in dealing with whys and I don't understands and all that, I can tell you through prayer that it's not just that, hey, we have a different personality. It's not that. There's something a lot deeper. There's, a lot, there's something a lot more spiritual in that. And it's a life or a death thing. I, I want you to know that. Okay, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul kind of talks about that, and he kind of talks about how we have an aroma, okay? And we want to be the aroma of life, like he says, to those who are being saved. But sometimes I think we struggle with, we don't want to be the aroma of death to those who are perishing. We just always want to look pretty and smell pretty to everybody. And so we struggle with that. And so I just want to get to the place to where I can say, God, I don't care if I stink to them. I just want them to be saved. I don't care about my error. If I have to stink in order for somebody to come to God, then so be it. And I'll tell you, I don't like to stink. <laughs> I promise you that. <laughs> but if it means someone comes to God, then so be it. So shy and the timid people. And I'll tell you one thing I, I do know about people that are shy or timid is that People aren't shy about speaking about something they believe in. You can be as shy as you put on, but if you believe in something, you're not very shy about that. All right? 
right? I want you to let that sink in because then where does God fall in that belief? Okay? So if you're one of those people, I want you to, to pray Acts 429. Acts 429. Write it down. You've got to pray for Holy Ghost boldness. Pray those bold prayers. The Bible tells us to come boldly before the throne of grace. You've got to practice it. Spend more time with Jesus. Grow your relationship with him. If you're confident in something, you're not shy about maybe your spouse, and, and you, know, you can easily talk about that, then you, you need to have that same intimacy with God because then that's where that boldness is going to come from. So pray, read, and meditate on his word fast because when God gives you boldness, that shyness gets overcome. Sometimes I tell you I struggle with inadequacy probably more than almost anything, and I can tell you sometimes I think we don't feel qualified. Maybe we feel limited. I don't know too much, you know, and I, I don't, you know, I don't know. And, and, you know, I think Peter and John in some ways had to feel inadequate. Poor thing. The, the guy's just asking them for money. They need to have empty pockets. They don't even have any money. I don't have silver and gold. I'm sorry. You know, so they were already inadequate there to fill the need of the lame man, what he really was asking for. They didn't have what he was asking for. And to be honest, you know, that's the first time we heard where the disciples actually reached out and healed somebody. So it's not like they had prior experience where, hey, I'm going to lay hands on somebody and they're going to be healed. So there had to be some kind of inadequacy issues going on there. But they spoke with boldness and the man was healed. That's a fact. So when the, then the Bible says, it goes, no, that's not it with their, their story. But the Bible goes on to say, and we read it earlier, that they were perceived to be unlearned and ignorant. One version says that they were ordinary and unschooled. Sounds <laughs> like sums me up. Um, but you know, the Greek word for unschooled is the word idiotis. Okay. Want to guess what English word can be translated from that? So if God can work with those, He's got us. He's got us. If He can make a a bold unlearned, or you know, the word. Idiotis. <laughs> then I think he can work with us. He's already filled us with the spirit. We've, we've already gone a lot further than what we think. But I do struggle with, with all of those insecurities. And I tell you, there's something different, though, in life when it comes to speaking about Jesus. I just don't rely on Grandma's 25-year-old prayer, but I pray for it. I pray for it. Sometimes in the very need, the very time that I need it, you know, God, give me boldness to speak. There's been multiple times to where, you know, I'm in my workplace and I've had to reach across the desk and say, no, I, I'm sorry, I can't help you. But, you know, when I listen to their desperation, they're, no, wait a second, I can't offer you some help. And I will pray for you. Can I pray for you now? And there's times where I've reached across the desk and, and had hand, and I've, I've even got out of my seat and went around to pray with somebody. There's times you know, where the opportunity presented itself, and I just prayed that God would help. I've prayed for people standing outside of a very crowded Walmart. If God let it be, God let it be. God, give me boldness to speak. And if we look in the book of Acts, there are so many instances where boldness was given in situations where there is no doubt this, the speakers had to be tempted with fear. I'm going to give you some. Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly when the Jews publicly reviled them. Publicly. Acts chapter 14, they were vigorously opposed, but they spoke boldly for the Lord. Acts 26, Paul was in prison, but he spoke boldly to King Agrippa. Acts 28, Paul was under house arrest, but he continued to preach about the Lord Jesus with 
all boldness and without hindrance. He put those insecurities behind him. And he spoke with all boldness and without hindrance. But it's okay to pray for it. We have to pray for it. It's just not this one-time prayer. Either you have it or you're not. I know some personalities are bolder than others, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about a boldness to witness. There's something different with that. And I'm going to tell you, it's okay to pray for it. In, in Ephesians 6 and 19, Paul asked the Ephesian church to pray for me, that I would speak boldly as I ought to speak. It's okay to pray for it. We've got to pray for it. Paul's imprisonment for being bold actually emboldened other Christians. You know, So what they thought they were going to contain by, by putting him in prison actually had the reverse effect. And him being bold made other Christians bold. And because boldness is contagious, we know that in today's world, there's some boldness of the world I don't like at all. But I'm going to tell you they've got something on us because they know that the best way to start a movement of being bold is someone to step out and be bold themselves. Well, why are we so far behind? The best way to start a movement of bold witness is to step out in boldness ourselves. And if we start talking openly and authentically about Jesus, we're going to have to anticipate that there's going to be some opposition. And if we do face, this is what I want everybody to know, the insecures like me, is that if you do witness and you face that negativity and that opposition, that rejection, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. I want you to know that. Okay? Boldness stirs, when it comes to God, boldness it stirs up like a deep well in me. I can't explain it. Because I know what Jesus Christ did. It's personal to me. It's everything that I've longed for. I found in him. It's that and I know that I have a peace that passes all understanding. It's that I have a love for people that I, shouldn't, that I should hate. It's that I have a joy and a strength that I knew nothing about before him. And if I share that with somebody and they get upset, that's not a poor representation of me. You remember that. If you've got a good positive word to share about Jesus and someone doesn't receive it, that doesn't, that's not bad on you. You're sharing joy. Okay? And I'm going to close. I, I, I studied so long and I enjoyed it. I don't know how I ended short. I had so much. I was so worried I'd have too much. But I want to, in closing, I want to ask you, I always ask you guys to help me out. And I want to ask you this. If, if you truly believe, I'm not asking if you're bold, but if you truly believe that gospel message, you truly believe it, I want you to stand with me. Look at all the bold people in the house. Look at you. Bold. You truly believe it. That's awesome. I want to just say this reminder to all of us that are standing. We all believe the same thing. Okay? But someone, here's where we're all the same, is someone at some point in our life shared the story of Jesus with us. You remember who it was. You remember maybe where you were. Maybe you were raised in church or maybe somebody was a witness to you. That Bible that I I brought last time I spoke, that was my grandpa, that was given by one of their first converts that they went door to door to witness to. You know, whatever it is, somebody told us the story of Jesus, shared that with us. Aren't you glad they did? Where would we be if if someone didn't tell us? As a Sunday school teacher this morning, I'm going to give you a homework assignment. 
But this week, I want you to be empowered to be that person to someone else. And it's a good week. This week, we've got Thanksgiving. We're going to be around people that we love, and I'm sure we care about their souls. But I promise you, they need to hear it. I have lost loved ones that live far away, someone that I can't be that witness to every day. I love them so much. But I'm going to tell you what I pray sometimes for them. I pray that people like you would cross their path and be that witness to them. Because I can't be there. But I pray for people like you to be able to cross their path. Because I want them to hear the story of Jesus. They need it. Your loved ones need it. So that's what I want you to do. Find an opportunity. Pray for that boldness to speak up, to share your story, share God's story, share, speak his word with boldness because our job is to point people to him. And if we just point people to him, if we do our part, God's going to begin to work on their heart. God bless you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.